0: Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call.
1: Good Friday to you. We are live. This is the call. Ten stocks picked by you. Two expert guests all in an hour. It is Friday the 28th of May. I'm Nadine Blaney. Well, I said it's Friday and that means we're live today for the show on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. If you are new to The Call Tribe, we do the show every weekday at Midday Eastern and you can watch us live or on demand at ozbiz.com.au or via the app. So today we've got a couple of great expert guests as per usual, bit of a soft spot for these two myself, Rudy Philipek van from FN Arena and joining us by Skype, Claude Walker from A Rich Life. Claude, how are you traveling there today?
0: I'm pretty well, thanks, Nadine. Happy to be here.
1: Good. We've got the local market really looking pretty, pretty hot today. Lots of people talking about the possibility of an all-time closing high. That'd be a way to finish a Friday.
2: Yes, but it won't be for everyone's portfolio, unfortunately. We're still doing the pendulum between value and growth here. Yep. And today it's not growth.
1: No, it's not. Uh, we are very much focused on commodities complex today, and some of the companies that are in the news. So we've got Inghams after upgrading its outlook, looking pretty good, up by eight point six percent. Appen holding its AGM. That's one of the companies that we discuss quite a bit on this program. It's up by eight tenths of a percent, but betmakers getting hit very hard. It's down by thirteen percent. Now betmakers, of course, has been one of those market darlings. I think the deal is that it has seen its uh, shares gain more than fivefold in the past year alone. Well, today the news that it's making a big play for Tabcorp's wagering in media business. It's lobbed a $4 billion consideration consisting of $1 billion in cash and $3 billion in betmaker shares. Now, the deal would see Tabcorp shareholders own 65% of the combined entity, with Tabcorp saying it's yet to form a view on the merits of the proposal. I'm going to start with you for this one, Claude. Um, I know that you don't particularly like investing in anything that has to do with gambling, but let's put that aside. I mean, this seems like a pretty extraordinary takeover offer to me considering, you know, really uh, really what Betmakers is. I mean, this is this is a fairly young company worth about a billion dollars, but still isn't making a whole ton of money itself
0: yes that's that's right extraordinary is definitely the right word but also uh you know good on them so far at least bet makers has made a lot of money for the people that have backed it um so y- you can see uh why the stock has become so popular if you just look at that chart it's just been up and to the right so anyone who's jumped the board um has has done well and now essentially up until today what the the company's been doing is doing today is basically trying to take advantage of what I suspect is a fairly uh, optimistic share price to then go and you know acquire a, a far more sort of established and profitable business um, and so I think you know at the end of the day there there's two separate things here to discuss one is you know does this acquisition make sense for bet makers? And then the other one is you know I guess is the is the betmaker's share price sensible um, and and they have to do with each other because the because betmakers wants to use its shares as currency right so we can print this like it's a yeah. cryptocurrency or, or the US dollar and it wants to use it to buy a real you know 20 30 year old op, you know operating business that is typically super like a profitable good business but has been hit by um you know a little bit by coronavirus so you could argue, and I would argue, that this is just another, you know, smart move for Betmakers. Yeah, sure, the share price is down a bit today, but actually, like, if this works out, it's good for the Betmakers business. However, then the secondary question is, it does the business, Does the share price of Betmakers make sense? Now, in the last quarter, they made just $5 million in receipts from customers. Now, I know that they've got a lot of growth. In the, on the horizon and they have a business model that's very attractive and I'm not denying that. But also I think we've seen a lot of really um, good storytelling uh, that has driven this as a momentum trade as well. You've had uh, Matt Tripp who, uh, you know, previously worked for Sportsbet and, and was greatly successful there. He's backed the company. On I think prior to that, Tom Waterhouse has backed it as well. And basically, you know, this has been a, a good story in a way pitched in some sense as sort of almost like being a bookmaker as a service where they provide back end to other bookies mm-hmm. all around the world. Um, I guess the final point there that's been driving the momentum is that uh, there's been regulatory tailings in the US where uh, they're becoming more permissive of gambling. And I think that has driven a lot of the excitement. Uh, for me though, I would say that a lot of the good news has already been priced in prior, you know, prior to it actually happening. So I'm cautious of the shares at these prices.
1: So you would not be buying Betmakers. Yeah, I'll even if it I up.
0: invested in it, sort yeah, of stuff I wouldn't buy. Even if
1: you invested in it, you wouldn't be buying it now. But it's almost really, I mean, this is fascinating because it's like legitimizing its business in, in, a, in a way, you know, considering we've seen that Whole massive run-up in the momentum in the price of this stock. It's so
2: one of the worst-kept secrets in the share market, as you can tell from the share price, um, the shareholders specifically gave the CEO um, permission to go out and make a transformational deal. Mm-hmm. And if if you read the newspapers and, and and the gossip columns, and it was already apparent that they would go after TEPCO. Mm-hmm. so it was just a matter of when, right? And, of course, the share price did I mean anticipate it all. It, is, it has been announced now. Um, no surprise that TEPCorp obviously is holding the boat off a little bit. Um, they are the ones who are basically in, in, in the driver's
1: seat. Yeah, because right? they've got other offers on the table Absolutely. for this business like, as well. They, so They, lots could, they of people, can pick and choose whatever yeah. they want. Right? Lots of people out there saying, Rudy, I'm curious to get your thoughts on mm. this, that what TEPCorp should do is mm. delist that part of the business and then really sit back and, and see, see what happens, see, see what you know, happens. get real yes. money for the business. Yes. I mean, that if, obviously takes time. Yes, Do they have? Exactly. Does TapCorp have time?
2: Well, um, I would think yes. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's not like Corp is the best one business in the world. And, and uh, there has been some pressure from shareholders as well. But um, the shareholders would not look favorably on a board that, that jumps into any deal that comes on the table. I mean, they have to basically maximize the value for the shareholders. That's why you own the shares, right? Yeah. I think the main the main question here, is, and, I, and I agree with uh, with uh, Claude's assessment, maybe on a slightly different reason, from here onwards, the share price of pet makers is all about uh deal going through or not, yep. which basically is now we have a more share price. Now you don't want to get on board anymore. And even if you're in favor of the deal, it's better to wait and see what happens now and how that deal will come together, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because the share market it's not always perfect, but the share market is usually very good in, in, in sorting out and in indicating to, to us as investors, what does this deal mean for the parties involved? Yeah, And it's negative today for bet makers. That gives you a signal that it's much better deal for for shareholders in Debt Corp than it is for the shareholders in, in bet makers.
1: I just find this fascinating because is it for Tabcorp share, I mean, Tabcorp shareholders, well, do they want to be owners of Betmaker shares? Essentially, that,
2: well, that that's a question I can't answer. Okay. But I do know one thing: this is a, obviously a mega deal for a company the size of Betmaker. Yeah. Basically, even after that share price uh, run up, yeah, it just shows you that the share market anything is possible.
1: But it also shows you for Tabcorp shareholders, which you know, t- timestamp mm-hmm. this: this is about twelve noon here in mm-hmm. Sydney on a Friday. You know, Tabcorp shares are up because. There's obviously value in that business, and I mean, people... I'll, t- t- of I'll tell
2: you the one the one person who's going to benefit from this, that's the CEO. Because he, he got his in- incentives, and um, if a deal comes through, which 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 it might, he's going to walk away with a, with a bag full of money.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. <laughs> As is often the case. Betmakers, that is a no from both of our expert guests, and that was the stock of the day. So let's get to the companies that have been picked by you. And the first on the list, given it's lunchtime appropriate is Collins Food. So Collins Food, the owner of uh, Sizzler, although there's not very many of those around, and uh, Taco Bell and KFC. This is a company, Claude, that has had a silver lining in this pandemic. Uh, things have been going very well for Collins Food. Do you think that the company uh, can keep the performance up as we you know, begin to spend some of our stimulus at perhaps a bit more high end uh, of the market?
0: Well, I hope for all of the uh, mom and dad restaurants, sit-down restaurants that don't have drive-throughs and stuff, that uh, they are going to get a bit of a bump. Um, uh, you're right, of course. The share price has uh, done very well throughout the pandemic, which sort of surprised me. I didn't, I didn't think that KFC and Taco Bell would be so popular, but there you go. Um, for me, uh, the issue here now is still uh, pricing, uh, basically. This kind of company, you know, it's a franchise company. So it's not the strongest business model. You're a little bit hard-pressed to, to talk to some sort of, you know, deep moat or some sort of sustainable competitive advantage that will necessarily last for years and years. You know, ultimately, these guys live and die at the um, pleasure of young brands. And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You can I've, – I've invested in franchise companies before. It's not a terrible thing. However, I prefer to – invest in um the franchise owner than the actual franchisees uh now um the thing that i get the, the problem i have with this is that uh basically it has it has like 200 million net debt which is probably more than i generally like but if we just put that aside um and if we use an actual 60 million dollars for the full years in underlying earnings which is above what cap iq has the um analyst estimates it's still on about 25 times earnings so for me that feels like it's pretty fully priced for a uh franchise company that, that is just franchising and then on top of that uh you've got the fact that one of the directors sold um about a million dollars worth of shares at ten dollars recently now there was some smaller buys from other directors so it's not all negative on that front but for me you know the picture is one that um isn't it's not particularly hardening it's not particularly encouraging having said that if you're a long-term believer in this business uh i don't think anything i said should necessarily kill it for you so i guess for me if you sort of like like the theme here and, and you think that these brands are going to do well in Australia for many years to come then it could still be a hold but i definitely would not be buying
1: Okay. Now, Rudy, you have uh, young males in your life. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, you've got yes. boys. So yes. this is sort of the target demo for KFC well, and they, for Taco they, Bell. They, they
2: lost life. 50% of my boys, that's, yeah. that's for sure. Um, so while well, they have them at, at a young age, the, it, it, their habits do change and their mm-hmm. preferences in life do change. And you're, and you're touching upon the right thing. Let's let's call them it. It's, it's junk food, right? It's not going to make you any healthier. It's just... Uh, other people are saying it's convenience food. Um, I still think, my little rant for today, I still think that part of the industry is, at some stage, will be called out as, a, as an extension of the sugar industry. And and we as a society are still, we will, sugar will have its moment of reckoning at some point in the future, that we've not been, we've not, we've not been informed correctly what it does, but it does make us basically fat and unhealthy, All right, Long as all of it, and, and, and we get a lot of diseases from it. So, longer term, I'm not a big fan of them. Uh, I, I I think it's a it's a, it's um it's a predicament of the past decades that com- companies like tobacco and junk food were amongst the best and more reliable performers in in, in the past decades. But I think that picture is changing. Still surprised that uh, Warren Buffett still is a big shareholder in Coca-Cola. Yeah. Uh, because that's changing as well. But. Uh, mm. If you want to invest in, in, in this particular part of the sector, I think I, I personally think a Domino's pizza is a much better proposition. Um, not so sure whether whether pizzas are, are are healthy, but at least they they can market it as healthier than uh, than your than your than your fried I think it's than all your, f- your yeah. fried chicken uh, wings. Uh, long story short, it has a very uh, checkered past. It has been wishy washy. It's at old, near an all time high today. Um, but that's because this is not necessarily investing in, in in franchise. What this company thrives on on expansion by buying underperforming franchises elsewhere, like yeah. in Germany, for example. Yeah. So that's why the performance has been has been so wishy-washy, because they, they basically need to patch up underperforming franchises. They buy them when they're down, etc. etc. The one to the one to buy in Australia on that premise, I think, is Domino's. I mean, much better proposition, much more reliable performer. And if the share price is sometimes a little bit wishy-washy that's because it gets it gets overheated I've underestimated uh, these guys in the past I, I rarely admit it because that's why they're near an all-time high yeah. but I still think it's it's just waiting until the until the next acquisition because that they, they would be on the lookout because that is their growth model, basically.
1: Yeah, so acquisition, but also there's yes. always the risk of another US name coming and establishing itself well, down under as exactly, well.
2: Exactly, and, and just us turning vegan or I mean, less less junk food. Right? Yeah. And I think that trend uh, will, will increasingly come to the fore, I think.
1: All right, well, it's a Friday. There's always a little bit of junk food around <laughs> the Osmos newsroom, I will admit that, but uh, we try to do our best here as well. So that's Colin Foods for yeah. Ron. Let's get to Fisher & Paykel Healthcare FPS. This is for Shaz. Now, this is topical, of course, because we had an update coming from Fisher & Paykel just yesterday. Rudy, I'm going to start with you because the brokers have been out in full force and look, not looking very favorably on that update. Macquarie saying it's a reality check. Uh, Another broker saying that the clouds have moved in on the company's moment in the sun. Or perhaps that was your... Interpretation.
2: No, in this case it wasn't, but um, it all depends on on where you put your emphasis and I think companies like uh, Fisher & Paykel Healthcare have that problem that they have been such a strong beneficiary last year from the fact that that hospitals were, were ordering all those ventilators. What it has done though, it has brought them under the attention of so many more hospitals globally that their, their base their base of customers and of installed equipment has increased so much that the, the view of many uh, fund managers and stockbrokers longer term, medium to longer term, has completely changed on this company. So it is a case of short term versus long term. In the short term, the share price looked a little bit bloated. I would fully acknowledge that. Uh, some fund managers were asking questions as well because it's priced on, on the momentum from last year there was always going to be a, a slowing uh, for the simple reason that we are comparing constantly on a 12-month basis yeah. and last year was such a big boost in the in, in the demand for their products it will slow down this year i okay? now here comes here comes the, the, the tricky part because if you are a long-term investor maybe when it when it does sell off you need to have a look at it because it is on my on my. On my assessment, it's, it's probably not as good a company as ResMed, for example. Um, ResMed is more than a one trick pony. These guys are pretty much a one trick pony. It's ventilators and that's it. Mm-hmm. But they, are, they have had the advantage from last year and they're unlikely to lose that advantage. So past this year, they should catch up again with growth and they should, I mean, sell more ventilators again. So it is a question of where do you put your emphasis? If you can look beyond, I I think it's not going to do much for the next few weeks or months. I mean, we have a US dollar, we have the pendulum between value and growth, et cetera, et cetera. But come next year, this might be again a a company you want to have in your portfolio.
1: So based on that, so you're saying it bloated at these levels, relatively speaking. Mm -hmm. But Gautam, if we can pull up that yearly chart uh, just for a sec, it is uh, coming under a bit of pressure just as of late. Yes, so yes. if you are a believer in the long-term prospects for Fisher from Paykel, would you be buying now because well, you've seen this yes,
2: you you pick up oh, now it's below $30. Yeah. I think I think it's getting interesting now again. Yes, absolutely. So yes you can, but you have to take it into account that the volatility is not necessarily yeah. out of it yeah. and it won't probably go back to where it was in a hurry. Because it doesn't it doesn't offer a yield and it now has question marks and yep. people are waiting when it picks up. It's a bit of a CSL story. I mean everyone knew that CSL is, is gonna go back to three hundred dollars. It's just a question when, right?
1: Claude, so Fisher and Pike will likely to see earnings uncertainty for at least the next six months. No short term catalyst, but if you're thinking long term, do you believe that this is a potential buy today?
0: It's really hard for me to get uh, excited about um, a company that's so fully valued and so well-known. I just don't see the edge. I don't see the thing that would that a buyer might sort of say, oh, I think this is the good thing the market's missing. I just, I can't see that. It's a 1.5% dividend yield at the moment, which is better than nothing. And, you, and, you know, I definitely don't think this is some ridiculous high flying hype stock or anything like that. I think it, as Rudy said, it is a really high quality business. In fact, I probably think it's a little bit more high quality than than what it what Rudy does. Um, if you've been a long term holder of Fisher and Paykel, I have i see no reason why you would change your position now. Like this is the kind of company that if you want to be a sort of night a, a slow, relaxed investor, this is the kind of company that you want to fill your portfolio with. But you want to try to collect these high quality businesses at the moment, at the time when they are offering a little bit of a better option, when they are a little bit cheaper. This for sure to me is a buy and hold quality (laughs) business. However, um, right now I don't don't see the undervaluation potential that that would cause you to buy in. So last year when when COVID was happening, you could see there's a reason there's going to be an uptick. That was probably the time to buy and lots of people did. And that's what's pushed the share price up. And now as Rudy said, it's less, less um, of a a good option so yeah for me definitely one to keep on the watch list and and not one that i see major problems with but no i don't see the buy opportunity right now
1: all right let's move on to the next stock uh aurora ora it's for philip this is a packaging company again this is a company that has had tailwinds through the pandemic i thought it was interesting reading through some of the broker notes opposite what
2: opposite the headwinds, ta- not no tailwinds. Oh, what? When, <laughs> what are you talking
1: about?
2: Because it was uh, it has expanded in the US, and yeah. you know, US was in lockdown under the previous president. Yes, but they also
1: make a lot of the um, packaging that was for takeaway, yes, and stay at home. Yes, but, so that's but, a tailwind. But, but
2: unfortunately, they had to close down factories and all of that. So they they basically was one, one of the victims last year. Yeah, you okay. Can t- you can tell it in the shoppers. Well, so aurora is is, is the ex core locally. Yeah. uh uh, has done very well in the first four years. Amco uh, gave them some really nice presents with them. but they subsequently from 2018 onwards started acquiring businesses in the United States up to the point where the United States has become basically the, the, the major component of their outlook. And you can tell from the share. Price. I mean if you go back two years, you can tell that last year did they, they really look they didn't really do a lot in 2020. Because they were massively hit in the U.S., Um, and that unfortunately, luckily now, they are one of the reopening trades because the Biden administration is doing such a better job in the U.S., And and now their business is going better. I'm a shareholder, and I've been a shareholder throughout the turmoil there, and I think they'll they'll be okay.
1: Covid influence shift toward greater at home consumption has been positive for consumer packaging company such as Aurora, UBS. You know what they're all worried about now? No wine, um, because uh, in in yes. Australia yes. with China, that's that's you know, cracking down on wine, true. and they do a lot of no, wine that's, packaging. No, that's that's,
2: that's 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 true. They uh, Just wanted to they, prove myself. <laughs> they are uh, they are the uh, they are the main producer of the bottles for, yeah. uh, for for Australian wine.
1: So sorry, I I got distracted. Are, do you like Aurora? Yes. It's an opening, it's a recovery story. Would you yes. buy it today? Yes. Okay. We've but, got to buy.
2: But it I mean, it doesn't look cheap, but you have to take the you have to take the uh you have to take the um the view that uh their US operations will increasingly start performing better, like you at yeah. UBS pointed out. And my understanding is that that whole problem, so called mm-hmm. problem, they had with um because they also do black balls by the way. Yeah. The whole problem with the wine bottles that that doesn't affect them as much as you would like to think from the industry data. So it it only affects them by single digit uh, percentages, mm-hmm. and that is not not in. I mean that's that's small headwind. So don't don't expect anything spectacular. I would say uh, because that's not a spectacular yeah. type of business.
1: So Claude, if there's nothing really spectacular about Aurora, I mean, it's not going to float your boat, is it?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there's no there's no way I want to invest in a company that does packaging. Basically, I think packaging is awful. Um, packaging could also like,
1: go the way of uh, smoking and uh, and fast food. Really,
0: if we're realistic about it. Yeah, yeah so I did invest in a packaging company called Sequos Group, which was uh, which I've since Gorgeous. sold. But that got- that does uh, the most like uh, compostable. Uh, packaging possible um however you know this one's probably not for me personally but having said that i if you just put aside that for a second i kind of agree with rudy overall um he said you know it's not that cheap but on my numbers it's not too expensive either i think it has a decent dividend yield of around four percent or even a little higher Mm. and um that's off the top of my head there uh, feel free to correct me, Rudy, although, you know, as you no, learned, I think you you're, I think I think you're correct.
2: Uh, I think it's between four and four and a half.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah. So it's a decent yield and also um, based on its its statutory earnings is a little higher than its normalized earnings. But in, using either one, it's a PE of under 20. So hmm, not way too much growth priced in. And the cynic in me says, even though I would love it if the world moved away from so much packaging, I don't really know if that's actually going to happen, sadly. Uh, Human beings seem pretty committed to the, you know, the great islands of plastic in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. uh, I think it's the type of
1: packaging. I mean, my neighborhood on the bus stops is absolutely chock-a-block with Woolies advertising the fact that they'll be moving toward, you know, environmentally friendly um, packaging by, you know, in the next couple of years. Um, So, yeah, Aurora, only because uh, we're running out of time for this one. I mean, if it's, if it's, actually pretty good you know the dividends looking pretty good not too expensive is this a father-in-law portfolio type thing i know you don't
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah so i would say it is more of it's definitely more of a father-in-law portfolio kind of thing i'm gonna just i just have to withhold the buy because i don't want it like the last one me and rudy one of the ones me and rudy got in was pro medicus at 26 dollars i don't want to follow that up by putting aurora in here um for the for the core cool portfolio, yep. so I'm going to give it a hold. Okay, uh, all right. I like our track record so far, Rudy. so
2: good. It's also it's also Claude can say, but there's two misconceptions here. One is we, we we can't get our wines and our medicines and everything without packaging. Yeah, yeah? like you can complain about it's it. It's just how it's, these I mean, companies transition. Like how else do you get your wine and your milk at home? The other <laughs> the other part is companies wow. like Aurora and in particular MCor are very are very much at the forefront mm-hmm. of. Of that industry changing its stripes huh? they, they they're not just wedded to 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 plastics yeah mm?
1: okay well i uh, i look forward to all of the innovation on that front <laughs> personally all right we'll get back on track we're going a bit loose today on this friday afternoon omni bridgeway is the next one for barney saying it's been in a downtrend for some time now starting to look like some value perhaps it's also in the process of changing its revenue model to be steady from year to year and perhaps not quite so lumpy because of course to a certain degree, this company is at the mercy of litigation and how that goes. Yes,
2: yes. Here's an interesting uh, angle on it. Um, fund managers are at times investing in this company because because of its different character, like it 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 is it, basically trying to find an, an asset class, or in this case, a listed asset that is not necessarily trading in line with the banks and the resources Mm -hmm. and the CSLs of this world uh, in in terms of finding a diversification. My understanding is that's why this company is on the radar of some institutional investors. The other thing is they are changing their business model. And in the past, it's it's been very lumpy. Mm -hmm. And um, we have have a a government in place that doesn't like these guys because they obviously are way too successful in taking businesses to court when they do something wrong. The share price looks really cheap here, and that is probably because the market is is taking a wait and see approach in how is this gonna pan out. On current forecasts, I had a quick look uh, earlier. On current forecasts, their their growth is going to explode in the years ahead. Now, why is the market not pricing that in? They're very cautious. They're like, let's see first. But so, the long story short, if you're willing to give management the benefit of the doubt here, you can definitely uh, buy this one wait to see what happens in August, and hopefully they do the right thing and they achieve everything they they say they're going to achieve. I'm personally always a little bit cautious by putting so much faith in management, but if you want to, you can definitely do it here.
1: So that's a buy. Um, Would you be buying Omni Bridgeway Cloud? Uh, no,
0: so I think uh, Barney, the questioner, had said it's been in a downtrend for some time now, but I guess uh, I look at a different timescale. It doesn't look like in a, in a downtrend to me at all. It, it looks like it's, it's actually done really well. Um, a little background about this, and I, which, is, which is actually necessary to explain why I wouldn't be buyer today. Uh, this business started being, as called like IMF lit- litigation funders quite a few years ago. And it was actually a really cool business when it first listed, because what happened was, if I recall correctly, the founders of this business pretty much, uh, they ran the initial high court case that basically made, may not have been the high court, but the initial case that basically made this business model legal, that you could do this litigation funding. So they really were the first movers in Australia and they started they did it in Australia and they did great and their returns were really, really great. And I actually used to be a sh- uh, shareholder and I used to cover this. And oh, what we saw over the years is as more and more, um, other people joined this business model, the returns started to go down because there was more competition in the lit- in the litigation funding mm-hmm. business. And in fact, one of the original founders of IMF, um, then a few years ago now went off and started another litigation funder himself icp in australia and then the other one who was the original founder previously managing director of imf hugh mcclernand he's been recently selling shares in um on the bridgeway it's now called so it looks to me like these guys hugh mcclernand and i think it's john walker who founded it kind of Kind of legends in my view, they were pretty cool, but they, um, they've got, they're going on the way out to my mind. So no, I wouldn't personally be buying shares at the moment. However, if the, the cool thing about this business as it stands now is that, uh, it is still very uncorrelated to the rest of the market. So if you're looking for something uncorrelated, I can see why you'd put it on your, uh, watch list. However, for me, um, and I think it's a reasonable long-term buy and hold as well, but for me, no, I don't like it. And ah. it'd probably be a sell.
1: OSL. Oh, okay. So I'll write that down. Now let's get to our last one on the list before we have a little bit of a a change in pace. This is plenty PLT for Dan. Dan, thanks for watching. And just a reminder that this is information only. This is not advice for your specific financial situation which you do need to take into consideration. Plenty was out with the result a couple of days ago. Record loan originations, record loan book, record revenue and pad up 42%. This is a fintech does that interest you, Claude?
0: Uh, no, but I, that, um, are we sure about that profit uh, number? Um, so, I, as I understand it, Plenty is, uh, you know, essentially in the personal loans uh, lending business, I think they do a combination of um, lending themselves and also uh, sort of just commission referral as well, if I'm not wrong. Yeah,
1: they do personal automotive loans, um, an area that they're they're sort of targeting and growing. Yeah.
0: So I had them as there's currently uh, making a loss and um, so maybe they've reduced that loss. And also um, on on what I'm looking at, they don't actually they're not even the the analyst covering them doesn't or making estimates doesn't think that they will make a profit um, until next year. And then even then only a small one and then going up to a, a better profit the year after. So the, the pitch here is that, you know, they're fast growing, right? And they're going to be profitable in the future and they're lending. And what we've seen in the market with all the buy now, pay later, which we love here in Australia, is that even if they don't make a profit, uh, companies that are lending um, more and more seem to have their share price go up. And as long as they're growing their revenue. And if you're offering people money and they want money, on good terms, then it's actually quite easy to grow. Now, for something like Afterpay, when you're getting becoming this global thing and you're also sort of getting into the transaction there, I can see how that becomes very valuable long term. But when you're just making personal loans, literally to pay for someone's wedding or their boat or basically consumer spending that might backfire, for me this is this is something that eventually. Um, you know, it eventually there's a there's a good chance of a blow up, and at the moment, you know, the market just loves this stuff, and so I'm not I'm not saying that the share price is going to go down, but I do not believe that um you know this will be a long term winner. I just think that the space is way too crowded. Take a look at something that's been doing something like this years ago, something like um cash converters or something like Money Three. Now, Money Three is a pretty well run company, but it run it, it trades on a relatively low. So for me, something yeah. like this, it, it's not it's not attractive at all. And and even though I admit the share price could go up just because it grows, I wouldn't buy it.
1: All right, and I will correct. It's Proforma Cash Net Pat was up forty two percent. Plenty P L T.
2: Yes, I know. Um, I, I largely agree with with uh, Claude. I can't get excited about this stuff. But I have to. I have to also say here. I think so, some of the stockbrokers and some of the experts in the market, they put forward uh, lists of conviction buys, yeah. And I'm pretty certain that Wilson's has this on their conviction buy list. So um, if, you, if you're willing to go with Wilson's conviction on this one, uh, by all means, uh, ignore me and, me and Claude. Um, I would, I, it's, it's, all, it's also, it comes from a low base. It only has been listed less than a year. Uh, for me, there's all reasons to be. And, and of, of course, the, the sector, as Claude has pointed out as well, I remember when cash converts was hot in the market. Yeah. Um, that's probably showing my age here. Um, lo- long story short, if you want to go into that particular space of, of young, newly listed uh, providers of, of, of credit and money, basically, have a look at Liberty Financial. I think that is one Yeah, lots is, of people talking about Liberty Financial. I think financial. Liberty is is very well uh, underestimated because people are not not very familiar with it mm-hmm. yet.
1: Uh, you're right, Conviction uh, Insights by Wilsons. Plenty was added back in February 2021, but that is a no for you as no. well. All right, we've reached the halfway mark. Let's summarize the stock of the day, the first five stocks. I'll do this quickly so we have more time with Rudy and Claude. Uh, look, for bet makers, it is not a buy. Rudy says this is one of the market's worst-kept secrets and the selling today is a negative signal. Uh, Claude says, yes, it's an extraordinary offer coming from Betmakers for Tabcorp's business wagering and media. Um, but he says the good news is all priced into the Betmakers' share price. He would not be buying Betmakers today. Collins food is a hold. It's definitely not a buy, but it's a hold because Claude does see some... Um, Some benefits to owning the stock, but it's just not one that he would be buying. Uh, Rudy would prefer Domino's in that fast food space. He thinks that the sun is setting, though, on some of these fast food players in general. Fisher & Paykel, it is a hold for Claude. There's no edge. There's no edge in this investment for him, so it's hard to get excited about it. Uh, Rudy says, look, it is a buy if you're a long term investor. But and, and even at today's levels, it's just you've got to know that there's going to be volatility. And uh, so not one way traffic for now and that long term horizon. Aurora, uh, Rudy says that it is a buy. Uh, the U.S. business will be picking up as that economy reopens. So it's a reopening trade. He says it doesn't really look cheap, but he would be, be happy to buy it today. Uh, it is a hold for Claude, he says, perhaps for the father in law portfolio, but he, he just can't bring himself to give this one a buy. Uh, He says it's actually not too expensive, in his view, and it's got a decent dividend. Uh, In Omni Bridgeway, uh, Claude says the cool thing about it is that it's very uncorrelated to the market, but it is not a no. In fact, it's a sell for him. It is a buy for Rudy. He says that some instos are using it as a diversification away from some of the big banks and that it does actually look really cheap at these levels. That brings us to Plenty, PLT for Dan. Uh, Rudy is being very generous with his, his alternatives today. He says, don't look at plenty, uh, look at Liberty Financial. He thinks that's an interesting one. and Maybe we'll discuss it in more detail <laughs> on another program. So plenty is a no for Rudy. It's also a no or an avoid for Claude because it's got a pretty good chance of blow ups happening um, down the way. He just does not believe in uh, the company's narrative that it's putting out so far. So that is, uh, today's, there's nothing being added to the, the portfolio. This is the Ausbiz portfolio that we've been tracking since the beginning of July last year. Thanks to our partner, Nabtrade. All the companies that get two thumbs up or a buy from both of our experts, which Claude refused to do for Aurora, uh, we've been putting into the portfolio. So let's get a check on how we're performing the weekly return up by three and a half percent. The, uh, The benchmark index, the S&P ASX 200 has been doing pretty well. I think it's up by about 2.5 percent so far this week. So we are outperforming the XJO one month up by 1.4 percent. And in the full year to date, the AusBiz portfolio is up by 32 percent or roundabout there. Some of the companies we've added recently, Abacus Property Group, Universal Store, Nanasonics, NetWealth and Janice Henderson. If you'd like to take a look at that portfolio for yourself you can do so it's on the bottom of your screen there it's at osbiz.co forward slash forward slash portfolio get a lot of um emails in from our viewers saying what do you mean i can't get to it but it's a forward slash that um, trips people up okay let's get to evolve education group the ticker code for this one is evo this is for edward the last time claude i spoke about evolve with a guest it was just in the wake of the federal budget so it is likely to benefit from some of the policies that were put in place in the most recent budget. But a bit of a double edged sword, isn't it? Because where policy can work in the favor for some of these childcare providers, you know, when the winds change, it can also be a bit of a, a drag, too.
0: Well, yeah, that's right. Um, although I understand that uh, Evolve was mostly in New Zealand.
1: Primarily, they're um, looking to expand greatly in their footprint in Australia.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, so at the moment, you have the same risk that you just highlighted, or opportunity, I guess, in New Zealand, where the majority of their revenue comes from government subsidies. Although having said that, I don't think that it's actually that risky. Um, it, the government just has to subsidise childcare if they're going to have a private system like this. Um, so I, you know, they can't just turn around and take away childcare. It'd be they'd get voted out any government, New Zealand or Australia. So I think that's probably okay, that that particular risk. Having said that, you know, let's talk about the business model here because it has been done before, which is where you've got a group of childcare centers and you put them all together and they're all sort of profitable, profitable on an individual basis. And then you lump that profit together and, and then you essentially borrow against that or raise capital from shares or a bit of both to buy more and more and it's this roll up model. Now, they recently raised capital at $1.10 per share um, from institutional investors. So the share price has come down a little bit uh, since then, and they've got the capital to grow. So you'd hope what you'll see is you'll see some, you know, as you were saying, expansion, which will boost, boost profits. And I think there's probably you know a bit of an opportunity there because the lesson with roll-ups is that Essentially, you want to get on the train early and get off the train early because long term, these these are not great business models uh, and especially uh, not in child care, because let me just say this about roll ups. The quality of the roll up has to do with how profitable the individual nodes in the network of companies are. So if you'd be better off having a, a network of 10 businesses that are all extremely profitable and they cannot lose profitability. um Than you would having a network of 300 businesses that are all a little bit profitable, but they could all fall into loss if the same thing happened. So, you know, the typical one that happened to ABC Learning all those years ago is that, you know, you go into slightly higher unemployment. Okay, well, people lose their job. What happens? Well, that the the parent that's just lost their job takes their kid out of childcare and looks after the kid instead. And then all of their so many of their centers all at once just stop being profitable they have a massive debt load and they explode that is fundamentally still uh that's fundamentally still something that could happen to evolve and and g8 and any of these ones so look now early is the right time to look at at roll-ups um when they're locked and loaded and ready to go and grow so yeah that i'm i'm not saying sell now if you already hold shares but just this business model. It's just not what I'm looking for. And I can't bring myself to say buy because if you buy a company like this, it's so important that you also get off the train before it starts to derail. All
1: right. So that is a hold if you've got it. It's not a buy. Would you be buying mm-hmm. Evolve Education Group? It's no, that Pac-Man I, model. I, I,
2: I think I'm much more negative than glorious than is. Um, the whole idea that governments can't let these businesses go under it hasn't uh, prevented ABC from going under, although that was fought, mm-hmm. uh, but it also hasn't prevented um, the largest one we have in Australia, G8 Education, to be an absolute dog at times. Uh, one of the biggest dividend traps uh, over the past decade or so. Um, so it's 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 simply, for me, those examples show you that even the larger companies in that sector can't really make it work. If this one would make it work, it probably is a temporary thing, uh, there are much better sectors to invest in. And the other thing is, I think the, the daily volume that goes around in, in, in Evolve on the ASX is so low that um, why would you go there?
1: Yeah. All right, so that is a sell. Why? An avoid. M- avoid. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, let's avoid it. Let's get to Pacific Smiles Group, Rudy. <laughs> Looking another, to... a,
2: another sector where I'm not very enthusiastic about. There's quite a number of brokers that have been um, have been pushing pushing yeah. the stock over the yeah. over, over the years this is a spin-off from memory from uh, nip Holdings and IB once upon a time I'm going back in time now um, I I my eye fell on 1,300 smiles mm-hmm. which is also listed and which is okay. has been for a very long time basically the market leader in that sector um, that has performed for a very long time quite okay on low volumes and and, and some People would hold it for the for the for the dividend, etc. In recent years, that hasn't really worked out so well for 1300, which makes me question. Then, well, if if the market leader, the one that used to be a very reliable performer, if they're not performing anymore, what is specific? What is specific uh, going going to bring to the table? I can't get excited for that particular reason. Obviously, uh, dentist uh, offices. Um, it's all about. It's all about the dentist yeah. himself, basically. They're right. cashing out.
1: So that's a no for Pacific Smiles. No. Does Pacific Smiles excite you at all, Claude? You can keep it short if
0: you want. Well, Rudy is absolutely on the ball as always. Um, completely correct to point out that One Three Hundred Smiles is a much, much better business run by much like. If just the guy knows what he's doing. Daryl Holmes, the MD. I held One Three Hundred Smiles for many years. I don't hold it anymore. It's just. I'm looking for something a bit more exciting, but I would—I ha- don't understand why anyone would buy Pacific Smiles over 1300 Smiles. Like Daryl Holmes is so aligned, the dividend yield is better. He's smart and he doesn't feel forced to make acquisitions. If you look at maybe we could see the long-term chart of Pacific Smiles. Um, you know, it's—it's it's had this, um, you know, a lot of excitement in it later, and it's going to go for the rollout, but. I think that, you know, the time you want to buy this is, is when it's distressed because now it's going to do a big growth attempt and yeah, quite frankly, I only would buy this kind of roll up for the dividend yield. And then if you want to do a dentistry roll up, I much prefer one 300 spas because it's just been so steady with its dividends over the years, just getting them up and up and up except for one time when the a government policy changed. So yeah, I'm okay. gonna agree with Rudy, Rudy on this one.
1: All right. Phineas is the next one on the list, FCL for AJ. Look, it has got a couple of client wins recently in its most recent trading update, it reiterated its guidance range. Uh, what do you think of the business? Because it's a small cap that many think is you a know, really solid performer. Claude, we'll start with you.
0: Yeah, so I've ummed and ahed about this business quite a few times over the years, and I, and I have been in and out of it. And I think I sold it recently when, I don't know if we've got that one year chart up, but I think I sold it recently, it was a, luck, a little lucky spike there earlier this year and, and it and it moved up and I sold it above there um, and I like it because this is a, you know essentially software for insurance companies helping them manage their businesses and their claims yeah. and all that sort of thing so that's like a really sweet nice bit of the technology stack to be in once you're in there it's really painful for people to use insurers would prefer focus on other things to improve the profit of their business so you probably have some pricing power there um, having said that, I've never quite gotten over the line in terms of uh, the idea that Phineos has market-beating, world-beating software. Over the years, I've really run into trouble when um, you know, Irish or Spanish or other overseas companies have listed here in Australia with their tech stories. And I've never quite understood why they do that other than because on the ASX, we do often award quite good multiples to tech companies yeah um perhaps because we don't have enough so to me i'm a little bit cautious of it and ultimately what it comes down to for me is if you look at some of those big um us enterprise software companies i'm afraid that eventually one day finia starts to become sort of a feature of these much bigger um business management sort of customer relation management kind of companies so that that's the risk there. So I I would I for me it's a sell at around four or a bit above four, which is kind of close to where it is now. So okay. you could probably put me in the hold camp.
1: Okay, I'll put you in the hold camp. How about yeah. you, Rudy? I think Claude is very
2: harsh. Um, I I similarly as Claude had been had been a shareholder and I sold in that same spike because I thought the market's just being being dumb and 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 I thought I might as well use it this time. Um, so I, I'm not on board again, but I do think you can you can buy it. Although, on my observation, it's incredibly volatile for whatever reason. The story about Phineas is is, is actually quite straightforward. The, the insurance industry is a laggard. Uh, it needs to catch up in terms yeah. of back, uh, back office... Uh, 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 Modernization, digitization. They are the guys to do it, or one of them. Uh, once that... That has been delayed because of COVID. Yeah. I mean, once that starts rolling again, these guys... They're probably going to announce a new customer every month or so. You probably want to be on board then because the share price will respond. They don't have enough history now because they've only listed last year yeah. or so. That's That that now works against them. I think if you give them the benefit of the doubt, you buy them and you keep them in the bottom drawer and see what happens.
1: Okay, so this is a long-term buy for you. Car sales for James. Guys, we're going to have to go through this a little bit quicker, just looking at the time. Buy. 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 Well, that's nice <laughs> and to the point. And that's because of the macroeconomic trends. It's made an acquisition in it's, Trader Interactive. It's exactly. best to
2: I, I ac- Exactly. I didn't understand why the market pulled back as far as it did, which was and, and, and I think if you're a shareholder, you should apply for the, for the, for the shares. Um, the only thing you need to know is just take a 10 take a year view on the chart. It's near all time high. It's, it's been a very gradual uh, uptrend. Um, it, looks, it looks great. Futures, okay. There are obviously question marks further down the line, EVs and et cetera, but they are not impacting right now. Yeah. It's a buy.
1: All right, um, Claude, I'm going to say, you can be very quick on car sales. If you'd like to talk about something related to cars, I'll give you a bit of time to talk about E-Road because I know that it was out with an update today and uh, I think it's got your juices going, correct?
0: I, I do like I do like E-Road. It's a bit of a different story. That's, the, that's <laughs> a stock eye a whole. Uh, I hold. uh I actually do also like Castles. sales. So ah. I'm happy to talk about this one. And also because I think this is actually one that we, it's going to be me and Rudy's favorite today, because I will give it a buy as well. albeit for the father-in-law portfolio. Okay. But uh, not one I hold myself, but um, I, yeah, look, basically these guys have done such a good job over the years. And it, it's, it's exciting that they could potentially be, you know, um, expanding overseas and, uh yeah look it's it's this is a true network effect business it has tons of nodes in the network which makes it really incredible to really difficult to break so it's Australian core business is so strong because you have so many buyers so many sellers, and people have tried to break it they've spent you know hundreds of millions of dollars trying to break this kind of strong network effect in terms of the competitive advantage car sales has in Australia you'd be hard pressed to find you know there are some others such as realestate.com.au that have such a strong competitive advantage but You know, 35 times earnings, yeah, okay, it's not super cheap, but this is a long-term, high-quality business, so that's why I like it. Um, Yeah.
1: And just give us your take, because I know that there are people that follow what you say about E-Road quite closely. ERD put out its FY21 results. Just give us the line that was the standout and how you're now thinking about the company.
0: Cool. Well, I guess the standout point for me was that the worst thing about this result was that um, the customer acquisition cost went up, and usually... So, so, or not the Yeah. The, so, for every device they wanted to sell, the cost of doing that went up. Now, usually when you see that, it's a warning sign. However, the real reason that that happened, which I think is a key point, and the CEO said on the call, is that what happened is because of the lockdowns in the US, and Q3 was their worst. It's just hard to go and sell things when the company, uh, when the country was in this sort of lockdown panic state. And what? Ero did is they made the decision to keep on 100% of their sales force, keep on 100% of their workforce and because they're continuing to pay all those salespeople, but the sales ability to sell went got you know went down, it became more difficult that's why the customer acquisition cost went up but now I basically think look that's bad short term but in the long term that says good things about customer culture and also uh, about company culture and also it puts the company in a good position to take off now as things better get better in the U.S. So that was the key point for me. Of course, okay. I do hold shares, but I haven't finished analyzing it, but I'll write something about this in due course.
1: Good. There you go. And that's out of Rich Life. Uh, last stock on the list is for John Megaport. Uh, Megaport uh, MP1, look, uh, what, what do you look at? Do you look at those new ports being added? Because yes. there, um, there has been a bit of a miss on some of those new ports being added.
2: Yes, but it's I, I think more and more people are coming to the conclusion this is this is one this is a potentially a, a long growth story and, and of quality um, I mean I'm, I'm a long-term shareholder in in nextTC for as long as you can because they haven't been listed that long this one has now performed much better and it's sort of like an intermediary between where companies are and where they, where they end up which is nextTC mm-hmm. I'm surprised that the market is not putting more value in nextTC at this point in the cycle but they're definitely um, in 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 Megaport, there's a play going on where a lot of um, people had gone short in this stock, and 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 apparently the reason why the share price is where it is is because those shorters have been covering. Um, it would appear this is a this is a quality company. It's not going to be profitable anytime soon, so it will have those swings. But um, I would I would buy them on weakness basically. Okay, uh, so we wouldn't what's... chase them here. But um, it's a share market. Weakness will come at some point. And I think this, you, you have to give them the benefit of the doubt, I think.
1: Uh, Claude, would you be buying Megaport?
0: I have a slightly different take uh, to Rudy on this particular one. And I know Rudy doesn't agree with me on this general rule. But for me, I really don't like it when um, directors or management uh, talk about short sellers and, and, and get annoyed at that um, unless there's been some sort of short report. Of course, it's, it's fair enough to respond. But. I didn't like it how uh, Mr. Slattery, who I do invest in many companies alongside him, but I didn't like it how he took aim at the short sellers in that one. And actually I've noticed that, that that if according to the ASIC disclosures, short selling uh, is still there in Megaport. So for me, um, it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, given that it's such a um, high valuation or or a valuation that implies so much to go right in the future. So, as a result of all of that, I've actually sold out of the, the holding I previously had of MegaPort, and I'm just going to sit this one out um, until we, until either we see some really good growth or this sort of the short thesis gets resolved. We may see a good opportunity to buy in the future.
1: Number six on the list: Evolve Education. It's an avoid for both of my guests today. Pacific Smiles, a firm no for both Claude and Rudy. Phineas, it's his buy for uh, for Rudy. He says it could be volatile, um, but he thinks that Claude is too harsh when he says that it is uh, a company to be very cautious about. So it's a hold if you are a Claude, who has owned it in the past, we should say. Car sales, ring the bell, it's going in the portfolio. A buy from both of these guys here. Claude talks up its network effect. Rudy says it's best of breed. It's going in the Ausbiz portfolio. Megaport, so this is a buy for Rudy. It's not going in because it is a, well, it's uh, it, Rudy's gonna sit on, I mean, Claude is gonna sit on the sidelines for Megaport in a nutshell. Listen, that is the program for the day. Huge thank you to you, Claude, joining us via Skype. Really appreciate it. Hope you have a good weekend. We'll watch out for your analysis on E-Road to come. And Rudy philipek van Dyke, FN Arena, in studio with me. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. And uh, if you would like to send us a company you'd like us to cover, you can do so at the call, osbiz.com.au, or tweet to us at osbiztv. Don't go anywhere, we have plenty more to come right here on (laughs) Osbiz.